Welcome back to another edition of Monday Madness Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein, here talking the latest in Chicago sports and beyond. So let's get us started today with episode 220, all the way from Harper College Radio to Radio Paul Sports. Glad to be back here on November 15th, as we are going to have a very, very, I would say, unorthodox show today. Because we are now at the absence of baseball for about a couple weeks now. Bears are off this weekend. So what am I here for? I wasn't here last week for anything, but now I'm here this week. So let's do it. Let's talk some sports and do the best of it in terms of Chicago stuff. But in terms of Chicago sports right now, it's all Chicago Bulls. So I'm going to do something at the beginning of the show that I don't normally do is start it off with basketball because that, I think, is what the highlight is so far, at least this week is Chicago basketball. Uh, and what's so great is that at least the, the, the Bulls are the one team in Chicago that is good. And I think that's the one team in Chicago that needed to have a sort of relapse from the past five years and saying, hey, let's, uh, let's see, you know, turn things around and make it, make it good again. And uh, I thought at a point in this past offseason – that all Chicago sports are not going to be good for the next six months. But, um, hey, I'm uh, just as happy as you are that that is not the case. And um, you know me. I like to set my expectations level to the point where, you know what, we're not supposed to be always good and we're not always supposed to be bad. And I think that's the the uh, beautiful ebbs and flows of sport is that you never know when you're going to be good, you never know when you're going to be bad. But, hey, as a journalist, we're here – to kind of ease the tension, talk about it, and see what we may think is future possibilities. And I think that's going to be a very good um, segue into talking about how the Bulls team have has gotten from one place to the next and now being such a good basketball team. Uh, and now, just like that, a snap of the finger, they're just there to contend. Um, same thing for the Blackhawks. And that's what I'm going to get into right after basketball is talk some hockey, talk about Derek King, the new coach for the Blackhawks, because we've been preaching the uh, the firing of Coach Colleton. You know, I'm going to talk more about that in the hockey segment, but I think that the Blackhawks as a whole, it wasn't any coach's fault. It was the timing, and now the timing is right for a new coach to come in. And I don't think it's at the fault of Jerry Colleton. I'll get more into detail of what I think about that in the second segment for hockey, and then the third segment. Um, Going to talk some uh, NFL week, what is it, 11? Something like that. I don't know. I've lost track at this point with football. You know, I'm not as much of a football guy. I'm more of the European football kind of guy. So I might spend a little time with the NFL, but I'm also going to spend some time on European football. So I'm going to mesh those two segments together um, because – I'm just going to go over scores at the NFL, notables. I think the biggest notable in the NFL this past week was Cam Newton uh, making his return with Carolina uh, after 
you know, Carolina started the the week five, four and five. So uh, most teams have now played ten games, and now the Chicago Bears, on the other hand. I did not play this past weekend after what happened last week with the Pittsburgh Steelers game. And uh, I know it's maybe old news, but if I had a show last week, I still wouldn't have been able to talk about it. So I'm going to talk about that whole um, taunting rule. And I've talked about the taunting rule a couple times since it's been uh, put in place. But I really want to talk about this taunting rule in the NFL and what happened on Monday because I I don't like it. Um, And then we're going to end the show, talk some UFC, MMA Nothing too big. I'm going to talk some fights that I want to happen in each weight class. I'm going to go through each weight class and say, hmm, look in the top five. What are the best fights we're going to see? Because usually my UFC talks have been about what event just happened. What event is about to happen? Um, But this week, I want to talk about my matches. If I were the matchmakers in the UFC and I worked with Dana White, what would I do? Maybe Dana White's listening to this program. So tune in for the last segment to see what I think the best matchups are in each weight class with the women's divisions and the men's divisions in mixed martial arts in the UFC. And that will do it for this show. So I got about five sports to talk about today. Um, and we only got so little time. I'm only going to be about an hour today. Um, it is Monday evening, 5 o'clock. Sun's already down. I do not like daylight savings time because of that reason. Um, but hey. It's okay. Still Monday, and it is still madness here on November 15th, 2021. We'll be back in just a bit with episode 220 of Monday Madness Sports Talk. Stay tuned for some basketball coming up. Welcome back to the madness here on November 15th, bringing you all the action in Chicago sports and beyond. This is Toucan holding on to you, the Gianni Marino remix. Bringing me into the basketball segment of the day today, let's talk some hoops with Chicago as the feature. And um, I honestly think that um, the best thing in basketball that's happening this season is the unpredictability, the unpredictability factor, right? You know, you had that kind of last year with the Milwaukee Bucks winning, but it wasn't that much of a surprise because we knew that Milwaukee was going to be a good team. And this year, I think that, tra- you know, transcending from the past five years for this Bulls team has been quite, um, quite the year so far. And I know a 9-4 and four start. This is being recorded four hours prior to the Bulls-Lakers game. That is tonight uh, in Los Angeles. Um, is that the Bulls are real. This is a real competitive, you should look out for, for type basketball team. Like, you got to be like, watch your back because the Bulls are coming. And this team can, I would say, fight in any game. And I think the only game and the only exception was that Golden State Warriors game that we saw a couple nights ago. Uh, and honestly, it's because of Steph Curry, the, one of the best shooters of all time. And I will never hold shame to losing to a player like Steph Curry, who will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt. And so I don't mind losing those games. It's not like we're going to go, any team's going to go, you know, 80-2 and two or 
what the Bulls were and Warriors were at 72 wins or 73 wins, right? You know, I don't think we're going to see this, this this season. It's just about staying consistent. There is no point in this Bulls season where I don't think they've been on a losing streak. It's they lose, they come back. They lose, they come back. They come back and win two straight. That's what's going to happen tonight, hopefully, with the Bulls, is that after a great game yesterday, especially by Compton's own DeMar DeRozan scoring 34 points in yesterday's game. Uh, was it 35 even? I mean, still, unbelievable game. He's averaging 25-plus points a game. With exception for that Golden State Warriors game, which was a tough game for, I just think, everybody. Even now, with the Bulls not having their big guy at center, Vukovic, who is out on the COVID list. But only things are looking up for this Bulls team, especially for the bench. Because tonight, Kobe White is coming back. And that's just only going to bolster the bench. And they're going to question what they're going to do with Ayo Desunmu, right? And he's been playing amazing. It's like every other night he's posting a new career high. He's going from 14 points to 17 points to scoring off the bench to getting steals. This guy's a playmaker. you got many playmakers on this team. Most notably in my eyes is Alex Caruso, who I would say should make a revenge tour game tonight against the Lakers. And uh, a matter of that, Alex Caruso would have taken less money to go to Los Angeles because he wanted to play for Los Angeles. Los- the Lakers rejected that offer, and he became a free agent in which the Bulls took advantage, signed him to the amount of money that he honestly deserves in my eyes, and now he is, I would say, one of the best bench players, if not the best six men in the league right now. And now he's starting. Um, and I think that start is very deserved. I mean, I think the best six men on the bench deserves a, a few starts now and then. And Alex Caruso is one of those guys. Um, and that includes Kobe White if he uh, performs. And I think they should start him off slow. Just nice to have him come back tonight. Start um, Kobe White off slow. See where he goes. See how he's feeling. Uh, he played great with the G League Windy City Bulls team. So, you know, let's get excited for having him back and, you know, bolstering the depth of this bench. Because Kobe White, remember, he was a starter. Is he going to be a, a, a half-time starter? Or is he going to be like... You know, half of the time he's not going to start. Half of the time he's on the bench. That's the great thing about this Bulls team. I think that's a good problem for this Bulls team and a fitting problem for a guy like Billy Donovan, the head coach, saying, I know how to work with this team because this team is, is you know, just as well as I'm new with this team, this team is new with each other because everybody is starting to play more with each other. You know, the only two guys that were on the team last year for part of the season was Vukovic with Billy Donovan. Now, Zach Levine, Kobe White, Patrick Williams, who's injured for the rest of the year. And anybody else who's significant, that's it. Um, So, that's what I love about this team is that they're learning how to work together. Once, they, once it clicks, I think this could be the best team in the Eastern Conference. That's how good this team can be. And, like I said, in the intro, I had set my expectations level. But when you have a team like this and you have a team that can succeed, the expectations get higher. And when the expectations get higher, it gets more exciting. That's why I love talking about this. And that's why the basketball segment's the first segment today. Because the most notable Chicago team right now has got to be the Bulls. And I know football season's underway with the Bears, but what are they doing right now? You got the Hawks. But when it comes down to it, it's the Bulls. And right now, the Chicago Red Stars women's soccer team is in the championship. That's it. 
That's what's going on in Chicago sports and maybe your minor league teams like the Chicago Wolves and the Windy City Bulls and I don't know what else you pay attention to in Chicago sports. But this right now is a prime time for Bulls basketball. And, you know, <laughs> this is why I'm a Chicago sports show because anytime a Chicago sports team is good, I start paying attention to them because they deserve it. The Chicago Bears started doing good. Heck, football would be uh, at the top of my discussion right now, but they don't deserve that in my eyes. You know, if anything, they right now Chicago sports should be taking notes from the Bulls and what their management has been able to do. You know, the quick change of GMs and basketball operations ended up in what we see now on the court in a very well-rounded team. Um, You know, as long as this team stays healthy around the rest of the league, top three guaranteed. Um, You know, looking at the standings right now, obviously we're only through an eighth of the season, roughly, a little bit more than that, but that's not the point. The point is, is this Bulls team is hanging around all the other great teams that are, are, are in the Eastern Conference. And in my eyes, the Eastern Conference is showing off a lot of teams that, honestly, I didn't expect to be in the top eight through the first 12 games of the season. Um, you know, we got the Wizards at 9-3. and three. They're the best team in the East. The Nets are 10-4. and four. They're the only team that we expected to be out there. The Bulls, and then in fourth place, we got the Cavaliers at 9-5. and five. But who knows? They're, they might slow down, and um, they might, once they start playing heavier competition, it's, it might change. But in the past... What? Five games? The Bulls have faced very heavy competition. Uh, The Nets, Mavericks, Clippers, they all beat them. The Bulls beat all those teams. The the Celtics are ready. The Jazz are ready. The only team that the Bulls should now start to target is, I think, the Knicks. Because if anyone's going to make a run, it's going to be the Knicks. And they've already beaten... The Bulls already lost to them this season. So, you know... They're seven and six right now in seventh place, and the Hornets are eight and seven. So all of these teams that are in the top eight are teams that are between seven and ten wins. So the margin of error is very, very small for the Eastern Conference. But the Bulls, they're just playing loose. They're playing like they're having fun, and they they look good. They look solid. Guys that I even heard before are playing great. Javante Green. Is one of my favorite players right now. He's getting blocks. He's getting steals. He's getting points in the paint. He's an aggressive. You know, we we want guys like that. And as a basketball fan, you should too, because you like to see that aggressive nature of of a player who can cleanly take a steal, cleanly make transition, and get a basket in 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 um in lieu of that. So, I'm liking what I'm seeing with this Bulls team. Consistency is going to be key. Um, you know, when you have guys who consistently score like DeMar DeRozan has been doing, and then you got guys like Zach Levine and Nikola Vukovic could be a top three, uh, big three candidate. You got, one, once one player is having a bad game, you got guys who can come up and have a big game and lead the team to victory, like guys like Kobe White has the ability to do that. Guys like maybe Javante Green could have that effect. Iota Sunmu has that effect. And even Alex Caruso. You have other star players that have the effect compared to superstar players like Zach Levine, like DeMar DeRozan, who if they don't show up, you got other star players who can't. That's what's great about this Bulls team. I don't. I would much rather have this kind of team than a team like the Nets who have a big three and then the rest is kind of like, eh, coin toss. 
at least to me in my eyes. You know, um, I'd rather have a team that works well together that we can all love the same. You know, I love Alex Crusoe because of Alex Crusoe's things, and I love Zach Levine because he is a true leader and he's a true superstar and honestly could make a run for consecutive all-star appearances. Same with DeMar DeRozan, how you love him for a certain way. You got to love Io DeSudmo, the rookie, the hometown kid coming in and doing what he does. And you got to love guys who we picked, the, the team that we all love, the Bulls, picked out Kobe White in the draft for this exact reason, to perform on a team like this. You love each player for different reasons, but all collectively, this team is back. This is a team that I think with the Chicago Bulls, have a significant chance to make a difference in the Eastern Conference. Um, And I think that, to be fair, you got other teams like the Wizards who've been not playing themselves, like the Cavaliers. And, you know, we got to give credit to where credit's due. This is a good basketball season so far. I'm enjoying it. I'm liking it. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Uh, But there's a lot yet to be played. There's a lot left to be decided um, and I'm all here for it. Um, so that's that. I mean, the Bulls are amongst the best teams in the standings. Let's look at the Western Conference while we're at it. The best team is obviously the Warriors at 11 and two, and God knows what's gonna happen when Clay Thompson comes back. Anything can happen, and it could be 2016 all over again for this regular season Warriors team. Who knows? Um, the Phoenix Suns at nine and three, Denver Nuggets at nine and four, Mavericks at eight and four, Jazz at eight and five, Clippers at eight and five. They just got their seven game winning streak snapped by the Bulls last night. Lakers are at eight and six, Grizzlies at six and seven, and then the list goes on with the Trailblazers six and eight. So, like I said, you know, all these teams are between seven and eleven wins in playoff contention, and we also have a play in tournament at the end of the year. So the top six automatically move on, but the 7th through 10th seed plays in the play-in tournament. I still don't know how I feel about that um, because it's not the 72-game season we saw last year. It's an 82-game regular season this year. Why go the extra mile, right? Um, You know, do what we've always been doing with the eight games uh, tournament. Um, Just extra games. Yeah, revenue is nice, but let the teams who are in the top eight who deserve to be there be there. Um, that's just my take, but, uh, as the season progresses, maybe, uh, it'll change. Um, that is that, um, for me talking strictly standings, I mean, this, this, this Bulls team, if they can win tonight in LA and take both, both wins in LA, um, consecutive nights for, for that matter in the same building, um, I think it's just going to show once again why this Bulls team is... I think in the past 10 years is um, supreme compared to all the other Bulls teams um, us fans have been rooting for. Um, it, it's going to be a very, very good test tonight against a very good veteran Lakers team. And I hope Alex Caruso gives it back right to them, shows them why they should they should have re-signed a younger guy instead of having a team full of veteran talent that um, have been playing against each other for their whole careers and now on a team. Um, let's see how it works. I mean, hey, I guess that's just a sandbox effort uh, brought to you by the Los Angeles Lakers. Let's see how well it goes tonight against the Bulls in L.A. at the Staples Center. I'm really looking forward to it tonight at 9.30. I'll be watching by the time 
that game's happening, this episode will probably be posted. So, um, by that time, Bulls lose, Bulls win. Regardless, this is a good team. Let's hope that, God forbid, not going to win. Nothing happens to the extreme where, you know, this Bulls season just exponentially goes downhill. Because uh, I don't think it happened with any team of that nature. Um, but I think this Bulls team is stacked with depth, stacked with talent, and I think stacked with confidence. And I think the fan base surrounding them agrees. Uh, let's pause it at that. I think that should be good for uh, basketball talk today. Um, this is that of the 220th episode of Money Mad Sports Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, next up, we got some hockey to talk about. Talking Chicago Blackhawks, how they've changed things a little bit. And after their poor start, now they're on a winning streak. So let's uh, hope that continues and talk about um, some other things in which I think uh, of the coaching staff in the past three years from the Blackhawks have been here on November 15th. Let's continue on. See you in a second. Welcome back to the madness here on November 15th. Talking all things Chicago sports and beyond. And now we're here for some hockey. And bringing me into it is Wave Wave Astronaut, featuring with Richard Walters. Alright, so time to get into it. The nitty gritty, the toughest, one of the toughest sports of all, at least. I think MMA is the toughest sport, but the next toughest sport is on ice, and that is hockey. So let's talk about it. Uh, talk some Chicago Blackhawks. They haven't played a game in a couple nights, and they won't be playing a game for another couple nights. And that's a okay, because now it gives me time to kind of mediate. What we've seen so far this year in the Chicago Blackhawks. Now we all know, and if you are a fan, uh, that it's not been an ideal season so far. It's been a lot actually going on. Um, and if you look at the record, maybe it hasn't been a great season for the Blackhawks, but there are some silver linings. Not only has it been 15 games played, but we're we're still got, us what, 67 games left in the season? A very long season ahead of us. And the past three games with the new coach with the Chicago Blackhawks have been wins under the new supervision of Derek King, a player that he used to be and a coach that he has been. Uh, he ha- he, I feel like he's a veteran. He's got experience. And what I saw in Jeremy Colleton in the past three years has been honestly nothing but that, really. I mean, this Blackhawks team needed that veteran, that, you know, Joe Quenville-esque vibe if you may kind of want to look at it uh because we didn't get that from jeremy collison not saying that jeremy isn't a good coach not saying he doesn't know hockey but i just don't think this is the right fit for him in this blackhawks team the right fit was of course with the rockford icehawks the players that are developing players that are looking to be in the national hockey league and all of a sudden the blackhawks unexpectedly fire head coach joe quenville and then Boom, Jeremy Colleton's an NHL head coach at uh, the very young age of his early 30s, at least is where he was at, you know, the same age as what a hockey player on his team was. Some hockey players at the time were older than Jeremy Colleton. So I think that was a problem right there. That was a problem I stated once that happened when I was doing shows at Radio DePaul Sports was this issue with the Blackhawks is only going to continue with an inexperienced head coach that was a failed player. 
in my eyes. And I'm not try- like I said, I'm not trying to di- to to diss anybody, any players. I'm not, obviously Jeremy Colleton is the subject, but if if you fail at a, being a player, or at least if you want to become a head coach, it's best not to be put into that position unexpectedly with a very veteran-esque team, with players like Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane, it's going to be hard to coach these guys when at the at the end of the day, it seems like they were coaching him. There wasn't much that Jeremy Collison was doing. Now here, I don't know what's happening in practice. I'm not there with a VIP pass talking to these guys, so I don't know how they feel. They might berate me for saying that. I don't care. From a fan's perspective, nothing was going right. So what was he doing right? There was no... The only time there was really winning going on was when the Blackhawks got lucky with the pandemic and got a shortened season where they weren't supposed to make the playoffs and made it in the play-in tournament. That was the only good thing that Jeremy Carlton has been a part of after a whole decade of winning three Stanley Cups. Um, and the whole situation got very sticky with the um, the with, with what's happened with the Blackhawks and the the. Uh, the whole harassment case with whatever, you know, has happened in the past week with, it's just so hard to talk about and think about right now because of, you know, the overshadow now, what was it like for the players back in 2010 up until now as a black cock to uh, be in this position and be the best professional that they can be. And, you know, Joe Quenville and, and that whole situation, um, it just wasn't ideal. And I, I think that's a big reason why Joe Quenneville now is not a head coach. Maybe he's not going to be a head coach for the rest of his career because of this, these whole allegations for sexual harassment. It's just a very sticky situation that, um, you know, has, I think, steered the Blackhawks season in the wrong direction. And um, it's just not fun to watch. So uh, uh, let's just see how it progresses. And, um you know, with this Blackhawks team being three and zero under the new head coach, it goes to show how um, how this Blackhawks team could honestly be, like I said at the beginning of the season, a decent team, a team that could honestly make the playoffs. Um, and like I said, sixty-seven games are left, so let's take advantage of it. You know, I could talk standings all I want with the NHL, but I'm not going to because the point differentiation. The point differentiation between the Blackhawks and Wild, who are in first place, it's 10 points. That's five games. It's like being five games out with 67 games left in the season for baseball. And with the bonus of if you tie at the end of regulation, you get a point. So goes to goes with every other team, of course, and that's the advantage everyone gets with a tie. But this Blackhawks team, um, I, I think that Right now, being four and nine and two, um, you know they have a chance of coming back. They really do. And if they start building this momentum, start winning three out of the five games, and then move that to eight out of ten games, seven out of ten games, consistency will start to build. I think there's going to be a point in this Blackhawks season, which could be now. Who knows? That this Blackhawks team will consistently be good. They'll get on a winning streak, and then all of a sudden be in contention to be in the playoffs. Uh, so right now the focus is to kind of recalibrate, readjust the new coach, and I think that the Blackhawks are doing a good job so far of it. 
kind of create new chemistry. I like this team. Don't get me wrong. It's just um, they're not happy right now with the the current results that they're getting. But you know, being on this three game winning streak will shed a new light. And they started one and nine. Now they're three and four and nine. So let's just continue this this vibe, this this winning winning trend that this Blackhawks team is starting to get on. Um, I think that's when we're going to start noticing some good things happening. So the next game for the Blackhawks will be on Wednesday night against the Seattle Kraken in Seattle. The first time the Blackhawks will be facing the Kraken in uh, both of their franchises' history. Um, so this will be very interesting to watch. I haven't watched a full game with the Kraken yet, and so I plan to do on Wednesday night. Uh, and then the Blackhawks are in uh, Edmonton on Saturday, and then in Vancouver on Sunday. I don't know why they just didn't go to Seattle from Seattle to Vancouver because that's a very short three-hour trip between the two cities. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know where Edmonton is, uh, but I don't know. My my Canadian geography is not... The knowledge of that is not very high for me. Um, So, yeah. Up until next week, those are the three games going on for the Blackhawks. So we'll reconvene next week. Actually, shoot. There will not be a show next week for Monday Madness Sports Talk. Damn it. Why didn't I take my wisdom teeth out when I was a teenager? God knows. I don't know why I didn't do it. I was a stubborn kid who went to the dentist. But on Friday morning, I will be getting my wisdom teeth pulled. And I it's hard for me to predict how I'll feel next Monday. But with the amount of times I overextend my mouth while talking or get loud while talking or yell, I just don't think that's going to be good for my mouth uh, next Monday. So... I'm just going to not do a show next Monday. And then we'll have another two-week layover, which is fine. But next show will be on 88.3 FM. Uh, so we'll look forward to that when the time comes. But I will not be doing a show next next Monday. So I'm going to end this hockey segment on that note by saying next. So the next six games will be for the Blackhawks. It'll be like what? After the Canucks, you get the Flames. So the Blackhawks are on a Canadian road trip for three games between the 20th and 23rd. Um, And then they got the Blues at home. After a four-game road trip, uh, they'll be back at home on Friday, November 26th. And then Sunday will be Sharks and Blackhawks. So the next time I'll be talking to you guys will be, I believe, Monday, December 1st. We only had two November shows this month, which is heartbreaking. But, um, you know, hopefully I won't be. Hey, God knows. Maybe I'll be good next Monday and I'll decide last second to do a show. But if that did happen, it will definitely be as a podcast because I will not want to drive at least. That's the least I want to do is drive. So if I did do a show next week, which is 99% sure not going to happen, it will be as a podcast. Just warning you guys. But as for now... That is that for hockey. I got nothing else to say other than I really wanted to just talk about my thoughts on the coaching change. Um, you know, Jeremy Colleton and his time with the Blackhawks, I just don't think he was put up, you know, in summary. I don't think Jeremy Colleton was put in a position with his Blackhawks team that he should have been put into. Let's say 10 years down the line, if he was more established as a head coach, it would have been a, maybe an easier job for Jeremy Collison to recalibrate this Blackhawks team. It's just he wasn't in a, in a position to do it. He was in a position to fill a hole in the coaching role that was left by Joe Quenville at the time that Jeremy came in. And he came out with not much to say for it other than experience as an NHL head coach, which, you know what? 
not a lot of people get. So hats out to Jeremy. Hope for the best for him and his family. But now it's Derek King's time. It's time for the King to rise for the Chicago Blackhawks team. So um, hopefully we'll see how that progresses over the next six or seven games before I talk hockey next. All right. So that being said, that is the end of this segment. Coming up next, uh, I have decided to do a sort of debate segment, a personal debate segment, because for my whole life I've been deciding between football, American football, or football, soccer. What what do I like better? And I got into an argument with my friends who are huge football fans. I'm not going to name drop anybody, but they know who I, they know who I'm ta- that I'm talking to them. Uh, is that I love soccer so much more than football, and it might not show on this show, but I'm going to talk about it. Talk about why I think so. Coming up next here on the 220th episode of Monday Mad Sports Talk. Be back in just a bit. Welcome back to the madness here on November 15th. Let's continue it with some football on both the European side and the American side. Bring me into this segment is Tommy Trash with Blanque Sinners. So, now, uh, I, I I usually mix my segments like basketball, hockey. That's my most uh, recurrent mixing of segments. But I've never really done soccer and football together. And I've said it along the ways here on Monday Mass Sports Talk that I have such a respect for the game of soccer that um, I call it football even personally. And I have roots that go out to Europe. I am a of English descent, so I do support teams that are from England, and I have family members that have derived from Manchester, Liverpool, and a lot of other places around England, and, you know, that has driven me to support English football. And my favorite team is Manchester United. So it's just like, maybe maybe it's a little bit mainstream of a favorite, but that's just who I've gone to support basically my whole life. And, You know, it's easy for me to say, since living in Chicago, I support all Chicago teams, but there's also teams that are outside of where I live that I support, and I love doing that because it creates goals for myself. Like, hey, I want to go out and support this team in their home home stadium at one point in my life. Like, for instance, early on when I was loving baseball, I loved the Boston Red Sox. I wanted to go to Fenway so bad. Still do, of course. And... You know, I, I want to be in that environment where the magic happens. And that's definitely attributable to English football. You know, there's no environment like English football. And you talk about um, how football here in America and how rowdy the crowd gets at college environments especially. I think college environments are, the, are even louder than in the NFL, if I may say. And NFL games, right? You know, obviously, as an American, I've been – exposed to football and NFL games for my whole life. And as a Chicago Bears fan, I'm exposed to that. But have you ever heard of me say on this show, and I'm about to diss myself and my knowledge here for for football in particular, is that have you ever heard of me say, oh, Matt Nagy should call uh, a play? Um, I don't, see, even that, I don't even know how to, how to talk about. Should Matt Nagy do a... Um, a throw or a pass. Have you ever like heard me say something like, oh, you should have made this specific play call or something like that? No, because I don't know jack squat about play calling in football. 
But what I do know is how formations are made in soccer and how that plays a role in how soccer and how soccer games function. It's easier for me to understand. And for that reason, I have become more of a soccer fan. I, I feel like that game, to me, is a bit more understandable and a bit more na- natural, honestly, because football, you get one play, one play to do it all. In soccer, you get many chances, and uh, whoever can capsulate or capitalize on the chances that they get in the game of soccer and within 90 minutes can win the game. But you get one play in football where that can run out. One one play can run out 40 seconds of a 15-minute clock and a quarter for 60 minutes. Um, That's it. That's it for me. And I think football, you get many more ways to score, many more ways. Soccer, you just got the goal, right? So that's the advantage. And I'm starting the little debate game here between soccer and football, and I'm sure that 90% of my listeners are going to choose NFL football, and that's fine. But hear me out. Here's why I love soccer more than football. I love it because the culture of the game is very rich and very, very diverse. Football, on the other hand, with NFL football, is only diverse to here in the United States, right? I love games that are more universally talked about. Do I, If I go to Europe right now, maybe specifically Spain or Germany, England, name a few, right? And I start talking about how Cam Newton just made his return this past weekend for the Carolina Panthers. Who's going to know who, what I'm talking about? Who? Not a lot of people, right? Other than... Maybe a few select football fans. Maybe to the likings of how... Maybe maybe it's the same in England, vice versa, right? There's just as many soccer fans in the United States as much as there's American football fans in Europe. That's a good point, right? So I hope that my European fan base here from Anime Sports Talk can ride with me on this by saying soccer is more supreme because it is more universally liked. And I, I really enjoy the game because of the diversity. And I think just the different amounts of people around the world, nationalities, different languages, and everything that goes into international club signings. You don't get that in football. It, it becomes so complicated to the point where it's fun. I That's what I love about soccer. I, I, I feel like I could talk more about soccer than football on any given day. And I just wanted to clear the air on that in this segment because I've gotten a lot into a lot of arguments, especially with my football fans, on why I like soccer better. And they're like kind of in, in a sort of denial state saying that, why, Noah, why? Why don't you like the sport that your own country has grown to develop and love? Right? And don't get me wrong. I love football. I love I love the NFL. I love watching Bears on every Sunday. I love, you know, I saw my friend this last week, the only sport that I'd watch two random teams play against each other or whatever and whatnot on any given Monday night, Thursday night, or Sunday night is that of NFL football. I would love to watch any given NFL game if it's good on paper, right? I'll do the same thing for soccer. But I usually only watch a Manchester United game or a Chicago Fire game or any other game that's on TV uh, because I think the rarity of a soccer game matches the rarity of a NFL game, which is why this debate is good because these two sports, you know, you only play like once on a weekly basis and sometimes twice if your team's in the champions league or whatnot, you know, but I love soccer 
mainly just as well because of the diversity. But I just the the strategy behind the game is so pure and so you know, you know it's more predictable. You know you got you got to be. It's hard to predict an NF, you know, a play call that's made in the NFL, right? That's why you set up in a blitz. That's why you set up in zone defense, right? That, you know, I played Madden well enough to know that that's the case of football. But, like, it's just the play only happens for 15, 15 minutes. But for 90 minutes, straight out, back and forth action with soccer. Sometimes it gets really dull and boring, and I understand that. Baseball's like that, too. So why do I like sports that are boring to watch? Because it's strategical. It's like a chess match, right? You know, if one thing doesn't go your way, well, you got to take a nice big left turn and, you know, make adjustments. In football, it's hard to make adjustments when you already know what's coming to you. Usually, you know that Aaron Donald is going to come with you with some great defense, and you know that on any given day, um, you know, you're, you're going to hand the ball off to your running back who can average over 100 yards per game. Like, that's predictable, right? But you're not going to predict that, a center back or a right back or a midfielder is going to come in out of nowhere and score a goal or make a difference in in um, a league. And this brings me to my next point, is that relegation, promotion, and everything is so, so unique in sports. I wish that, you know, maybe teams in the United States have a relegation format, right? Maybe if, the let's say, the New York Jets are terrible, bring up the Montreal whatever team Montreal has into the NFL. I don't know, even though that's the Canadian football league. That would never happen. But you get my point, right? It's like relegation actually is really cool to me. I love relegation. I think that uh, teams that deserve in the bottom tier of the league that isn't affiliated with any other professional sports league, if they play well enough, why can't they play up in the big leagues, right? Why can't their organization do that? And I think that um, I wanted to find a way to bring this up today, but uh, Ted Lasso, uh, one of my favorite shows on TV right now. I've watched the first two seasons, of course, already. Um, I'm not going to do any spoilers. You don't have to worry about that. But my point is, is I think that show encapsulates, if you're not watching the football aspect or the soccer aspect of Ted Lasso, you're, you know, you're paying attention to the emotional aspect of the characters and everything and the storylines behind each character. But in terms of the football aspect, I think relegation is presented so well in this show that if you've watched the show and don't know soccer rules, I feel like when you leave, you'll understand why relegation exists. Because teams need to deserve to be where they're at. I hate watching teams here in the United States that play so crap for so long, like the Baltimore Orioles. They're, they're annoying me so much right now. Um... Like the New York Jets is what I've mentioned. You know, bad teams that don't deserve to be in this league or should be dropped, why can't they just be relegated to a, a league below? But the system here in the United States is the, the leagues below are developmental leagues for the professional leagues like the NHL with the AHL, like the NFL and college football. Like, you know, there's no under... I mean, I think, if anything, if any sport should have a relegation, it should be that of American football. Because there's no minor leagues in, in football, as far as I'm concerned, other than college football. And there are a lot of teams that are consistently bad, that don't deserve, in my eyes, that to play in the NFL. And I think that's a good reason why the Oakland Raiders moved to Las Vegas. They needed a new environment, right? Now, this is just all poppycock. This is all me just, like, spewing out different 
theoreticals. I don't. I, I, I'm not saying this would ever happen in a million years because it might not. But I'm saying this is why I love soccer more than American football. Is that these rules are different? I enjoy watching that. I enjoy being a part of it. Um, you know, maybe uh, maybe you guys don't like relegation. I that that that's understandable. But um, I enjoy a nice natural game where I know what's happening. I I know where you know. I, I feel like. If I were to really enjoy watching football, I'd be a guy like Tony Romo, who knows everything, who knows what's coming, who knows how to, you know, call a play or why a play is so significant. Like, have you, like I said, have you ever heard me talk about a specific play in a specific game any given day and talk about it in the most perfect way that the Bears should have done this in this specific game? No. But what I do like talking about is rules. And... The reason why I love soccer is, you know, their rules are simple. Don't, you know, don't don't push a player. Don't tackle them. And, you know, flops happen. That's natural. It's in every sport. If you're going to make the flop argument that soccer is, you know, the most fake sport in terms of flopping, look at your sport. Basketball, for instance. I hear a lot of basketball fans say that about soccer. Shut up. Literally, guys, guys flop fouls all the time. Do you think charging fouls? On the offense, get flopped. I feel like 50% of all charging fouls on the offense get flopped. That happens way more often than soccer in my eyes. I don't know if you think I'm crazy for saying that, but I think I, I, I honestly believe that the more the most amount of flopping happens in basketball, mainly because of that charging rule. You know, in soccer, it's very fast-paced. You know, you're going back and forth in the field. you got guys running seven miles a game, and you get tripped up. You get tackled off the ball. You naturally lose your footing, but through that, you could also sell a foul. And not saying that flopping is a wrong thing, which is another reason why I shouldn't make that argument, but flopping doesn't define the game. A flop happens within one second of a 90-minute game. So don't give me that crap saying that, oh, flopping is a big issue in soccer. It happens everywhere, dude. It happens everywhere to sell. You know, baseball especially. If people don't understand how baseball... I was watching a video recently on, like, players yelling at umpires. Trying to sell the call. In my experience as an umpire, this past summer especially, as a softball umpire, when I make a call, or when I don't... Like, you know, my my rules... I know all the rules in softball, but this year I was a bit more naive to them, right? And guys, I had a lot of guys try to take advantage of that. And I was like... Screw off. Let me call my game. Let me... Yeah, I'm the one umpiring this game. Let me do my job to the best that I can. This is a first-year umpiring gig for me. Let me gain some experience and learn the rules. Don't tell me what the rules are. Let me talk to my boss about this play. Don't... I'm not letting any other player manipulate me to make a right call. See, that's a flop to me. That is, like, borderline cheating in a way to try to manipulate the the person in charge of the game to say hey this is not right let the umpire referee etc make that call okay um soccer a lot of those arguments happen but i mean hey it's a fast-paced game such like hockey i think hockey honestly is natural because i love hockey because you know penalties you know there's checking all over the place no no referee in hockey cares if you flop like you get Naturally, hits happen. Like, if you hit the deck, like, you're not going to flop a penalty. Penalties in hockey usually are pretty apparent. Um, 
just try to compare other sports and flop them. That's that's an argument right there. I have like a whole note sheet right now written down in front of me, literally explaining all my reasons for soccer versus football because I wanted to have this argument on my show today. Um, you know, since hockey or since soccer and football are in the same segment, I have to do this. I have to be like, who wins? Who does that? But I want to make the hot take that I say soccer is better. Soccer to me is so much better because of all of what I've just told you, plus my history with it, plus me playing it. Um, I heck, I'd move to Europe just to be involved with the game. Um, that's how much I love it. I'd much rather watch a soccer game on any given night rather than a football game. Um, just, 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 that's just me as a person. You'll still hear me talk about football, but this is just kind of like my introduction into saying football is not my strong suit. Soccer is. I love soccer. I love the, the way of the game. And, you know, but these are the kinds of arguments that I, that make me love sports as a whole. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love football. I love soccer. I love hockey. I love baseball. I love this and that and all these sports. But, yeah, you know, I got to choose one or another someday, right? And I'm doing that right now. So, uh, hot take. Soccer is better than football. Prove me wrong. I want this heat. I want the argument. Hit me with the heat because I will take it. And all of my other 90% of the world who agrees with me will help me as well shut you down and say, no, soccer is more of the world sport than football would ever be. American football, for that matter. So if you want to stop listening to Money Man Sports Talk because of that reason, go ahead. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Because, honestly, this is a sports talk show. This is a, this is what I'm doing. This is what I love to do. This is a, I love making these hot takes. I love making people mad. This is why it's called Monday Madness. This is why I love doing this. Is because making people mad is literally a part-time gig for me. Through sports. Soccer is life. Football is life. And the great words of Danny Ramirez of Ted Lasso. Football is life. Because life all around us doesn't revolve around what's here in North America. It revolves around what here in the world and the collective values of our world. And I think the collective values of this world would agree with me that soccer is better than football. So, uh... I'm going to clip this, actually. I really want to post this and see how people think. I want to see what you think about me liking football. Not American football, but football. Better than American football. Um, Yeah, I'm just... Like I said, I'm a sports fan. But I like to make sports arguments that lets other sports fans be mad at me because at the end of the day we're all sports fans we love our sport for our own reasons and you know what i respect that i will always respect anybody who loves something because as long as you're happy do it but don't be manipulative don't try to tell somebody else that your sport sucks because oh i i get so bored watching people kick a ball left and right left and right shut up dude you don't You've never experienced a full season of soccer. You don't know what the Epson flows are like. Experience it. God knows if you got bored in Europe, you would have been in my boat. God knows I would have been bored in Antarctica. 
I could have been an Eskimo. No offense to you uh, fine Eskimos out there, but you get the point. I could be anything in this world. You could have been anything in this world. So respect other people's boundaries. Respect what they love. Respect who they are. And at the end of the day, they love what they love because it makes them happy. Just like me. So that's the point I'm trying to make. I'm glad that I took like 15 minutes to talk about that. That was a good argument between soccer and football. Um, Don't hate me. I love them both. And I love them both for different reasons and above the other. I love NFL football because of the tailgating and how that has developed a very good culture of fan base here in the United States. I think a very uh, tight-knitted culture of fan base. And how that has also translated to Europe across the pond, yeah? You know, they they host football games over there. They host NFL games, like, what, five of them each year? So, like, they give respect to people who in Europe also love NFL football. And um, I think they should do that more with basketball and hockey because there's a huge, and I would think even a bigger fan base for NBA basketball and NHL hockey around the world so that all said and done um let's talk about week what 10 of it is in the nfl um talk about that and talk some scores talk what i think and maybe maybe my credibility for nfl games isn't as high as uh maybe what it was before this segment but um if you're here to kind of get an update on what's happening, let's hear it. Like I said, week 10 of NFL action. Tonight we got a Monday night football game, Rams and 49ers. By the time you hear this podcast, that game might be over. But at this point in time, I don't know what the outcome of that is. And I don't know how to predict it. So hope you have a good time watching it. Um, the Panthers with Cam Newton's return. The first two drafts for Cam Newton. Running touchdown. He yells, I'm back, I'm back. Oh, yeah, he's back. He went... Three for four in catches, completions, and he scored two touchdowns. But then Phillip Walker was the main quarterback in that game, leading the Carolina Panthers to a win. And um, I think that slowing the start for Cam Newton is the best they can do, kind of giving Newton time to recuperate. Um, makes sense. Uh, but the Cardinals didn't have um, Kyler Murray playing. Uh, they had Colt McCoy and Chris Traveler uh, fill in for that role, and they didn't, both did not do very well combined. Um, so that's a storyline right there. Vikings and Chargers. Vikings winning 27-20. Packers shutting out the Seahawks at home 17 to nothing. and Aaron Rodgers return now. Let me talk about it, because I didn't talk about it last week, but old news, but my same reaction still stands here today is the Aaron Rodgers vaccination case and saying he was, quote, immunized at the beginning of the season, lying about it. Um, I think that he should be fined. Um, but I think the reaction from the fan base says enough, or at least for the um, vaccinated people who uh, truly believe that he is a menace. Um, I don't think he is. I've, I mean, he's a menace in our own ways as a Chicago Bears fan. However, I do believe that Aaron Rodgers at heart is a good person. He is gonna be fine um i don't like how he lied about being vaccinated he should be fined for that um but there are some people out there and athletes that have literally lied about getting the vaccine there's somebody out there that we don't know about that have lied about it i'm not supporting aaron Rodgers. i'm just saying that he might not be the only one and he might just be that needle in the haystack sort of deal like oh well he got covid now we just figured out that he lied about getting the vaccine but also 
people who have the vaccine can get COVID. Um, so, like, you know, my stance on the vaccine, you know, if you don't want it, don't take it. But, you know, I took it and, you know, I'm, like, obviously encouraging it, but, like, don't push other people to do it. And I'm sure that Aaron Rodgers feels the same way, but just didn't want to come clean about it. And, yes, he should be he should be fined for lying about it. But uh, I just don't think that um, people should be getting on his case, case as much as they are. Um, you know, the only thing bad about it is that he got COVID and, you know, he was around other people. But he took the proper steps when he figured it out. He literally wasn't around other people. He just got better, got a negative test, and moved on and had to deal with a lot of bad publicity through it. You know, that's it. You know, let's say this happened before the vaccines were available and Aaron Rodgers got COVID. Would we be saying this about Aaron Rodgers? No. This is a different time we live in now and different values for people under a vaccination status. And I don't like that personally. I don't like how some people in this world are being judged based on that. And Aaron Rodgers does not deserve to be judged based on his vaccination status because he is still indeed one of the greatest quarterbacks to live. I'm not afraid to say that as a Bears fan. He is. That's why I'm not at, really mad anymore when he beats the Bears. Because I expect it. So that's my case in Aaron Rodgers. Um, those are like the notable scores in the NFL this week. Um, you know, I, I um, last week with the Bears game and the Steelers game, I want to talk about that because I want to talk about the uh, Cassius Marsh incident where he bumped into the referee. And he threw a taunting penalty. I hate the taunting call. The taunting call should not belong in football. It's part of the game. As I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. Taunting is a part of of football, especially. And it's part of other sports, too. You're going to start calling people out in hockey and and baseball for for talking crap? No. In baseball, if you talk crap to an umpire, especially, you're going to get thrown out of the game. You're not going to get a 15-yard penalty. Oh, the batter's got to bat 15 feet away now um no but in all seriousness taunting penalties in the nfl suck and we all know it you know it the nfl has got to know it by now it's just like the referee literally stuck his hip out in front of cassius marsh and made it seem like it was his fault that is so guilty referee should be fined let alone Cassius Marsh got fined himself. He got fined $6,000 for that. Why? This is his first year in the NFL. Why would you do that? It, it is beyond me that a, that someone would do that or the referee would get away with that. Um, and I know, I know some NFL officials would agree with me on this. I'm sure NFL officials went up to Roger Goodell and was like, are you sure this guy shouldn't be fined for doing this? This is literally on video purposely. This ref was sticking his hip out and and like didn't even look back. He just flew through the flag. Maybe he was stretching his hip. All right. Well, if you didn't stretch your hip, he wouldn't have knocked into you. But he obviously didn't do it on purpose. Marsh knows he didn't do it on purpose. Unless he said that. I don't know. That's funny. Uh, but all in all, terrible, terrible, terrible call. Um, next week, Bears got Ravens. I got the Ravens winning. Lamar Jackson's on my terrible, terrible. 
and I mean terrible NFL fantasy team that I have this year. I'm two and seven. So bad to the point where I won a week, and they took my win away because one of my players' stats were not right. So that's just the luck I'm getting this year in fantasy football. Um, but yeah, so moving on from American football to uh, regular football, not too much happening in the English Premier League or any league internationally uh, because international play is happening. The international break happens every other month or something for um, players to play for their international teams. Uh, and in this situation, it is the World Cup qualifiers. So the World Cup qualifiers, I think the United States soccer team is on a, the right path. Um, you know, The United States right now are in first place in their group, uh, the CONCACAF group. Um, which is the kind of like the American, the Northern American side, uh, the, like the North Hemisphere. You got Mexico, Panama, Costa Rica, uh, Honduras, Jamaica, Canada, Mexico, United States. You have all those teams, um, and they have all they're all playing two games against each other in the World Cup qualifiers. And the best, you know, one point for a draw, three points for a win. The United States are 4-2-1 in first place with a goal differential of 7. If, if anybody's tied at the end, it goes to goal differential. And if that is tied, they go to goal 4s. So the United States goal differential is 7 compared to the Mexico who have 5. And the United States, Mexico, Canada, and Panama are all in position to make the World's Cup. That's if Costa Rica, Jamaica, and El Salvador, and Honduras do make a run for it. Um... But the United States are looking good. They just came off a very nice, fresh win against Mexico. Their third win this year against, I would say, their biggest rivals in international football is that of Mexico. And they beat them with flying colors. I mean, Pulisic and McKinney with goals later on in the second half to pull that win off and, um, you know, pushing their way to first place after the first half of the World Cup qualifiers. Last World Cup qualifiers, the United States lost it in their last game against Trinidad and Tobago. So, you know, this time around, the United States, this is their time to win. This is their time to prove that they do indeed have, I would say, the best talent that this whole team has had collectively for a very long time. This United States soccer team, I would say, is, is the most talented soccer team I've seen from the United States. Collectively. You know, the best players, though, have to revolve around guys like Landon Donovan, maybe Clint Dempsey, maybe even right now... um, Michael Bradley, um, he's he's a legend for, you know, Tim Howard is the best goalkeeper, I would say, of all time in United States history. And then you got Brian McBride way in the past. But, you know, those big names that I mentioned only played on an individual level. Like, they, they didn't have a lot of support, you know. You can't win by, you know, having one really good player. On a collective basis, you have to have that consistency. And I think right now we're finding that in the United States. And Greg Beerhalter as the coach has done a good job of creating chemistry for these guys. And I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying watching a guy like Christian Pulisic and, uh, you know, McKenney uh, coming in internationally. They, they both play in Europe with Pulisic playing for Chelsea and McKenney coming off of a playing for Juventus. So, like, these guys have played against these big guys that they will be playing against internationally. Guys like Cristiano Ronaldo, guys like Kylian Mbappe and Lionel Messi and uh, Jesus Corona from Mexico and these guys. and um, They're showing that they can compete, and that's great, and I'm enjoying it. 
Um, so honestly, we're really looking forward to this World Cup this season and seeing how it uh, progresses. And big news coming out of Europe, Italy is a chance to not qualify for the World Cup for the second straight World Cup because they lost or they drew the other day and now they have to be put into a playoff against other teams to make it. It's complicated, but it will decide on who's going to be in the World Cup. There's already a few teams already qualified. Now it's time to figure out who else is going to make it. We might not know about the United States until March because all of these qualifiers go on up until March. So if the United States can win three more in a row, you can definitely say that they have a chance. So tomorrow, the United States have a chance to continue their stretch against Jamaica tomorrow. I don't know where this game is being played. Um, Let's see. USA versus Jamaica. Um, I want to find out where that's being played because I know uh, the USA-Mexico game was played in Cincinnati this past week. Um, So let's see. USA versus Jamaica is being played... The heck is it being played? What the heck? Um, all time though. Fun fact: United States are nineteen three and eight against Jamaica. All time. Uh, it is from Independence Park. Uh, where is Independence Park? Now it's time for another Google search. Independence Park. Where the heck are you? Um. On the bright side, though, this has been a good segment. I mean, a long segment uh, mixed with uh, football and soccer. And my conclusion is football is life. Independence Park is in Chicago? No, that's a different Independence Park uh, stadium. I'm going to add stadium after that one. Um, It's in Jamaica. So they're playing it in Jamaica. Nice. I was like, they're playing this in a park in Chicago? What? Uh, no, I'm not that stupid. Uh, I'm stupid, but I'm not that stupid. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, so that's really all I gotta say for this segment. There's a lot to say in the segment with um, comparisons between soccer and football, but I, I love my soccer. So uh, if I haven't brought that point out to you enough in this segment, I don't know how much I have to say. I love football. Football is life, as the great Danny Rojas would say so not all things said it is time to get to the next segment of the day uh and the last segment of the day that of ufc mma we'll be talking um what happened this past saturday night with the max holloway fight um and then maybe talk about what's upcoming for events but i want to talk about each division and talk about my favorable matchups for each division we'll get to that Coming up next year on the 220th edition of Money Mass Sports Talk. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the madness here on November 15th. Bringing you all the action in Chicago sports and beyond. This is Justin Caruso High Enough featuring Rosie Darling. So it is time to talk some MMA UFC, and this past weekend was a very good fight night between Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez. It's the first time since Rodriguez has fought for two years, and um, let's see what his last fight was specifically. It was in 2019 against Jeremy Stevens. There's only two fights that Yair Rodriguez fought in 2019, and both of them were against Jeremy Stevens, and one of them was on September 
29th, 21st, 2019, and then it happened just less than a month later um, in the Reyes-Weidman card. And um, that Yair Rodriguez-Jeremy Stevens' first fight was a no contest, which is why it got rescheduled so quickly. Um, and then now in 2021, there was a big contest between Yair Rodriguez and Max Holloway. And Max Holloway, with the victorious decision in five rounds, he landed 251 strikes to the 186 of Yair Rodriguez. But from a back-and-forth perspective, this is a really good fight. I think both of these fighters' stocks went up. You know, I love the fights when both of these fighters are really good, and then, you know, you don't want to see them any of them lose. Yet, obviously, we have to have a loser. But in some way, shape, or form, both of these guys are still going to compete at a high level. And that's what we saw from both fighters. And I thought that that was very, very good that we saw that on Saturday night between Yair Rodriguez and Max Holloway. And uh, Max, much-deserved, much, much-deserved much win. I'll be getting into what I think the featherweight um, situation should look like in just a bit. Uh, but let's talk about other fights in this card that I thought were interesting. The Chaos Williams fight against Miguel Baeza. My biggest UFC bet I've ever made was Chaos Williams, um, otherwise known as Colleen Williams, uh, getting the victory over Miguel Baeza. I put 40 on him to knock him out. That was a nice, nice fat payout right there. Um, so that was my favorite bet of the night. Um, and then we saw a good fight between Felicia Spencer and Leah Letson. Spencer getting the knockout there in round three. Song Dong getting the knockout against Julio Arce. Um, so that was the notables from this past weekend. This upcoming weekend, we got a women bantamweight main event between Ketlin Vera and Misha Tate. Misha Tate is back, and she came back this past year. Um, she has fought twice here in 2021, but we want to see her again, right? She beat Marianne Renault, and now she's got to fight Caitlin Vera, who's 11-2. and two. Uh, So I actually think this is going to be a good fight. So um, I'll be sure to tune in to that one uh, this Saturday night. And then we got a co-main event between Michael Chiesa and Sean Brady. I'm really excited for Michael Chiesa to make his way back to the octagon from the broadcast booth. And Sean Brady is 14-0 and 0 in his MMA career. That makes it just the more exciting. Um, bad and white fight between Rani Yahya. And Kong Kyung Ho, uh, two fighters I've never heard about. Uh, then you got a woman flyweight bout between Joan Calderwood and Tylus Santos. Uh, and those are the main um, fights there. Since I'm missing a show next week, let's talk about what's happening on December 4th. Um, I think, actually, I'm correct. Uh, if I have a show on December 6th, I believe. Um,. I'd be talking about this event, but it's Rob Font versus Jose Aldo, um, and that's really the main big fight. And then you got UFC 269, the lightweight main event being Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that card. We got some really good fights on it. Um, apparently, Jeff Neal's on this card. Kai Kyra France is on it. Cody Garbrandt's on it. Um, looking forward to a good one. Um, so that is. Uh, that for the events i want to talk about um what i think the next event should be in my eyes let's say if i were the matchmakers let's see let's make like two matches in each division how about that um so looking at the rankings you know looking at the top 10 rankings what i think should be the best fight let's start off with the uh women 
fighters here. Ladies first, shall we? Um, the women's strawweight division with Rose Nama Unis. I didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, but what a performance once again against Wiley Zhang. Uh, Rose is the people's champion. I love her so much. She's great. I think that the next more notable fight since Wiley Zhang lost to Rose twice now, Carla Esparza should come in. Uh, she is the number two, and she should fight Rose. And Esparza has called her out. She has said that she wants Rose Namajunas, and so let her take it. Uh, Jan Zianan is number four, and I think she's got a great chance. Got Marina Rodriguez up in the mix. Uh, but I think the best fight to kind of figure out um, the next straw weight title contender maybe could be Carla Espaza and Jan Zianan. I think that's my next big matchup. I think Espaza needs to deserve one more fight, but uh, I just don't see anybody else, maybe other than Wiley Zhang beating a Rose Nama Unis. Um, but uh, we'll have to see how that kind of uh, progresses. Uh, so that is that. Let's look at the women's flyweight division. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko, currently the champion, uh, probably will be fighting Jessica Andrade, Kaylin Kokagan, Lauren Murphy, Jennifer Meyer, Cynthia Calvillo. You got all those names out there. Um, I think uh, Kaylin Kokagan and Lauren Murphy fight would fit perfectly in this mix, just so that we can kind of figure out the next title challenger. Seeing a Jennifer Maya, I think Jennifer Maya put up the best kind of fight against Valentina Shevchenko yet. That wasn't even a close fight. So um, that just goes to show the dominance of Chepchenko. Same thing in the women's bantamweight division with Amanda Nunez. Um, She is probably going to end up fighting Holly Holm again. If Holm could fight maybe, let's say, Juliana Pena. But right now, this upcoming weekend, we got Caitlin Vera and, and Misha Tate as the main event. This is a big fight to figure out who might be next for Amanda Nunez and could be Misha, Misha Tate. Honestly, Misha Cupcake Tate, I could see her making another run for it. And if anyone's going to dethrone uh, a legend, it's got to be a legend themselves, right? Uh, so that is my take on that. Let's look at the light, um, the lighter weights of the men's divisions. Brandon Moreno as the champion of the flyweight division. I would say Oscar Askarov is the, is the next bet. Um, I also think that this upcoming weekend's uh, or UFC 269's fight with Kai Kaira France um, is going to be a big, big fight. Um, just according to who's going to bump up in the rankings. Uh, Bantamweight, uh, flyweight is a little bit complicated because, you know, Brandon Moreno doesn't have a, too much competition. But I think Alex Perez is one of those guys who can really, really um, uh, fare well. Alexandre Pantoja uh, is another good option. But um, I think the best matchup is uh, another maybe Oscar Oscarov and Brandon Moreno or an Oscar Oscarov, Davidson Figueredo. Um, the, those are the best two matchups. Batum went. Let's move up to Aljamain Sterling as the champion. But right now, the interim champion belongs to Peter Yan, who got the win over Corey Sandhagen. Um, to me, Aljamain Sterling is not the champion. It's Peter Yan. Peter Yan basically, obviously, getting that illegal ground strike against. Aljamain Sterling in their last fight. Um, but I believe that it should be um, Peter Yan up there. And the next fight um, would be TJ Dillashaw against somebody. TJ Dillashaw needs to be matched up with somebody. I think that he's been avoiding people. I think that he hasn't really shown up for potential bouts that he needs to show up for. I'm getting a little annoyed by it. TJ Dillashaw kind of annoys me a little bit. I want him to get beat. 
I wanted him to get beat by a guy like Corey Sanhagen to prove that Sanhagen was the right choice to be in the title uh, shot for the interim belt. Um, I also really love Marab Devalishvili in that in that lineup too. I think Marab should fight maybe Jose Aldo, a legend, to put him up in the rankings to give him more of a reason to possibly move up. Move up. Uh, maybe a uh, Marlon Marais against uh, uh, Marab Devalishvili. Many options there, but um, you know, Marab already beat Marlon Marais. You know, it was a good fight. So, um, a lot of options there. I just think that right now, the champion of Bantamweight isn't a deserved champion. I want him to prove me wrong. I want Aljamain Sterling to get a proper win. I want him to beat Peter Yan. I'd rather have Sterling beat Peter Yan, but to me right now, Peter Yan is the champion. Uh, let's look at the featherweight division, which just got figured out a lot more on, uh, Saturday night, Max Holloway being the first uh, fighter on the name, and he lost to Alexander Volkanovski twice, but to me, I think it's 1-1. I think this is a really good matchup. I think Holloway is the only guy in my eyes that can beat Alexander Volkanovski at this point. Um, uh, I, I think this is one of the most interesting top 15 charts. You got guys like Brian Mitchell on there. Bryce Mitchell, for that matter. Bryce Mitchell, unbelievable wrestler. Uh... Arnold Allen, Calvin Qatar, the Korean Zombie, Yair Rodriguez is still on this list, of course, and then Brian Ortega, who just lost to Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, my main matchup for this, I think Brian Ortega should fight um, Korean Zombie. Bryce Mitchell should fight Arnold Allen for the top spot here in the top five because I think Bryce Mitchell has a lot of potential. That's my personal thing. Maybe Edson Barboza is a good matchup because of the wrestling. Um... But my mate, I think Alexander Volkanovsky is going to be fighting Max Holloway. If I were to be the match betters, what what what's the other option? Who else do you want Max Holloway to fight? Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. I saw the, I saw the video. I saw him pacing back and forth during when uh, Max Holloway's name was being um, announced during the fight. I saw that. I know. I know Conor McGregor is eager to get back, but. And Max Holloway is indifferent about his who he fights. He doesn't care about the title. He's already held it. But does he want to back from Alexander Volkanovsky? Because you know if Max Holloway wins, Alex is going to want to come back in and reclaim that belt. So try to look forward, seeing what the options are. What is the best option? I think the uh, the option for the featherweight division, the, the one that makes the most sense is Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky, right? Like that makes the most sense. But from a marketing standpoint in the UFC and what Dana White loves to do is he loves making money. The money fight might not be with Alexander Volkanovsky, so we've already seen that twice. And like I just said, Max Holloway has already held the belt. What else do we want to see from Holloway? We might want to see a fight between him and Conor McGregor. That might be the second option there. I think if it's not Volkanovsky, it's got to be McGregor because McGregor wants to make a comeback in the featherweight division, which I don't think he can cut down to. Maybe it could be a catchweight fight, but we all know that Dana White hates catchweight fights. Um, so we'll have to see about that. Lightweight, one of my favorite divisions. Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier. Obviously, we know that's going down at UFC 269. So what's up? what else? You know, we got, obviously, Conor McGregor up in the mix. He's ninth ranked right now, right behind Dan Hooker. Maybe Dan Hooker, he, he could be that next step. Um, who knows? Uh, but when we look up more up, you know, you saw see Tony Ferguson. He hasn't fought for a while. Uh, guys like 
Benil Darius, up and comers, Islam Makachev. I think that's a great matchup right there. Benil Darius and Islam Makachev. I mean, look at those two guys. They're up and comers. They've deserved their spot in the rankings, but who deserves it more? That's the question. And that's the question we needed to resolve in the octagon. Uh, Makachev, you know, one of the um, descendants. I would say, as far as coaching goes, the descendant of uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, right? This guy could very well be the best fighter in the lightweight division right now. We don't know that. And it's overshadowed by Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira. I'm glad that Oliveira got a championship. Due to his experience in the UFC, he deserves it. But right now, I think it's Dustin Poirier's time. Uh, I really hope that he's going to win. I do. Moving on to the next one. It is welterweight action. Kamar Usman beating Colby Covington for the second time. I'm not surprised by it, but um, if it wasn't for Kamar Usman, Colby Covington would clearly be the champion. Covington and Usman combined, they both trump Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards, Vicente Luque. The list goes on. My favorite fighter in the welterweight division is Stephen Thompson. Just his humble nature and the way he goes about his fight game is awesome. I love him. You got Michael Chiesa fighting in a little bit. I think he fights next week. Um... Bilal Muhammad, I think he deserves some more respect. Neil Magny. This welterweight uh, division is stacked top to bottom. You even got Vicente Luque on that. Um, Li Jing Liang. The list goes on. And Santiago Ponzinibbio um, is also on that list. He's going to be fighting Jeff Neal uh, at UFC 269. So, But my, my personal two, two matchups you can make in the welterweight division. I would say... Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. That's a great fight. I want Leon to prove that he is better than a lot of people think he is. Gilbert Burns, Stephen Thompson, maybe. Even that fight's kind of come and gone. Um, I don't know where Jorge Masvidal should go. Jorge uh, Colby wants to fight Jorge Masvidal because of them being former teammates. And I say, let's do it. Screw the numbers and the rankings. Screw that. Let's see it. Let's see if Jorge Masvidal deserves to still be in the top of the uh, of the of the food chain in one of the best divisions in in the UFC. So let's see it. I I, I want to see a Kobe Covington Jorge Masvidal or a Kobe Covington Leon Edwards fight. But besides those two, Stephen Thompson, Gilbert Burns, throwing Bilal Muhammad against uh, um, Gilbert Burns too. That's another great fight. Uh, so that is that. Let's go to middleweight where the Israel Adesanya stays the champion. Uh, Robert Whitaker should be his next fight. Marvin Vittori should probably fight after that Paula Costa fight. Um, should probably get a guy like Derek Brunson or Jared Cannonier. Um, I just don't think this middleweight division is as deep as I um, thought it was going to be. I mean, Darren Till's at number eight. Sean Strickland's at number seven. Uh, Darren Till, to me, seems like he's just on the downturn of his career, but I hope he uh, proves me wrong. I mean, this guy is a tank. He 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 trains very hard, so maybe a Darren Till, um, Derek Brunson fight would be good. Um, Uriah Hall is also in that mix. Maybe fight Paula Costa against Hall. I don't know if Costa can make weight anymore for light heavyweight or a uh, middleweight. I don't think he should. I think Paul Acosta is more of a light heavyweight, if any. Um, so bringing us to light heavyweight then, where Glover Teixeira is now the new champion. Jan Blakovich and Yuri Prokotska could fight to get, um, you know, 
to possibly get that title challenge. But reminder, Glover sure is 42 years old. He's not going to hold on to the belt for more than two years, you could, you, you could say. So you got to start making these matchups quick for light heavyweight. Maybe Jan Blakovich again, or Yurhi Prohatska. I think he's the guy that deserves a title shot right now. Alexander Rakic. I think a Rakic-Prohatska fight is the fight to make for a fight night, and whoever wins that fights Glover to share. Anthony Smith is back on the come-up. I think he should fight a guy like Magomed Ankalaev. Ankalaev is is quickly uh, moving up these rankings, so maybe it could be uh, Thiago Santos against Magomed Ankalaev. So we got matchups there. Dominic Reyes is also an option. Um, Vulcan Ozdemir as well, who just won. Johnny Walker might be an option. I don't know. Um, but those are some names to name off the list of light heavyweight. To finalize this segment, let's talk about heavyweights. Francis Ngannou as the champion. Um, and Cyril Ghan as the interim champion. Um, that will be your matchup. Ghan versus um, Francis Ngannou makes the most sense. Um, and there's no other fights that you'd make to make money off of that. It's just a good matchup, to say the least. Um, you got Curtis Blades... Up there too, I think a, a fight he already just recently won against Georgina Rosenstrike. Um, maybe, maybe it's Curtis Blades against Tiepe Miocic, or maybe another match between Derek Lewis again. But then Derek Lewis will be fighting um, Chris Dawkins, who just got to number seventh rank. So Chris Dawkins is on its hair. I think Dawkins has a sincere chance against Derek Lewis, who just recently lost his title interim title shot to Cyril Gunn. Um So I'm looking forward to a. Um, potential fight between let's say Tom Aspinall who's uh, I think on the one of the best up and comers get him against against Alexander Volkov get um Stipe Miocic up against um possibly John Jones who could be coming back next year that's a big name to put in the heavyweight division John Jones could fight Stipe Miocic I think that's the fight to make right there um Derek Lewis um if he wins against Chris Dawkins where does he go does he fight um, for another another title shot, who knows? Um, but um, right now, there's a lot of kind of like mixing up to do for the end of the year. But uh, I'm gonna do another one of these segments near the end of the year because after December 18th, the last UFC event, um, there's gonna be a little layover, and then there's gonna be a little time for Dana White and the crew to think about what the next potential matchups are in the UFC. Um, but as of now, that is it. That's all I got for you today here on Monday Madness Sports Talk. What a stacked episode we had. Um, even though we don't have baseball to talk about, we don't have really as much. I didn't really have much football to talk about other than my big argument between football and soccer. Um, talked a good amount about hockey and basketball. And that was it. That was a fun show today. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a good show. Enjoyed all my time, as I've mentioned. And always, I hope you have enjoyed your time here on Monday Madness Sports Talk. It's always madness, and I enjoy it. And if you forget... We do have merchandise to sell. It is um, t-shirts, hats, mugs, pillows I even have. I have a lot. Just email me, noah.festenstein, my first dot last name. You can see it on the Spotify, Apple, or Google podcast page as you look at it, at gmail.com. So check it out. Email me for inquiries of merchandise. And, um, yeah, we'll go forward from there. But as of now... Thank you so much for tuning in to the 220th edition of Money Mass Sports Talk here on November 15th, 2021. It's been a pleasure today. And like I said, next week, no show. My wisdom teeth are getting pulled, and I doubt I'm going to want to talk about it in front of a microphone. But if I do, 
the 99% chance that I, or the 1% chance that I will be on a microphone next week, it will be as a podcast, um, just for the sake of um, being at home in my own environment, not having to drive, et cetera, et cetera. May, God knows, maybe I'll feel good next Monday. But uh, as of now, thank you so much for tuning in, and I will see you guys next week.